Thanks for engaging. It's good to worship with you. Thanks for engaging um, together. There's something about being together and saying true things about God that's, uh, that's really powerful. By the way, before we jump in, I just wanted to just acknowledge the stuff up here. Thank you for bringing in snacks, um, right? Because we have a, a, a partnership with our local schools, and, uh, and we want to just continue building on that partnership uh, to say, as a church, we're here to serve our community and to engage. And this is one of the ways that we do that. And we're sort of increasing our engagement in local schools. And, and one of that is through these no for kids. And so thank you for being there. If, if you walked in and went, oh, no, you know, you can always, you know, bring it in, you know, later on or, or you know, bring it into the office during the week. And we will make sure that uh, that gets to our local schools and which gets to kids, which is just a tangible way for us to love on our community. So thanks for doing that, you guys. A couple of years ago, um, when I was in college, um, I was, uh, you know, going to school, preparing for ministry and all of that, and I was working a job uh, at the same time, and uh, at this place I worked at, I, I met this, this guy, uh, he was a fellow believer, Christian, uh, he was 18 years old, he was a senior in high school, and, uh, and he went to this little kind of Christian school. So we had some things in common, you know, our, our faith. And I had gone to a Christian school as well. And so we sort of, you know, struck up a friendship. And, uh, and so some, some time went by. And, 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 you know, what he always talked about was his girlfriend and the fact that they are going to get married after high school, right? And so that was kind of, you know, a big topic of conversation with him. One day we were having some conversation and he was sharing some of his struggles um, you know, in, in their relationship, and he was just saying, you know, we, we, we really want to honor God in, in, you know, our relationship, but we really, really want to, you know, be married, right? Um, and, uh, but, but our, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, but, but our parents don't want us to be married until, um, until after we graduate, Imagine that, right? And so, um, and so, so he's you know asking my advice and input, and I go, well, you know, let's just talk about maybe some strategies to deal with all of that, you know, in the meantime, and how to honor God during this time in your life. And so we kind of talk through some of those things. And uh, a few days later, uh, he comes back and he says, hey, um, you know, can we talk again? I said, yeah, sure. And he says to me this: he says, you know, in light of my situation, I've been reading the Bible. Now, right there, my antenna go up, and I go, hmm, in light of your situation, you've been reading the Bible. I wonder where this is going. And so I said, oh, okay, so, so what does that mean? So, you know, I've been reading the book of Genesis, and, and, and do you know who married Adam and Eve? God did. And so I've been thinking, if God could marry Adam and Eve... Why couldn't he marry my girlfriend and I? In fact, wouldn't it be great to have God preside over our wedding? It would be super special. Okay. So he asked for my input and I shared it. It began with something probably like, what are you, nuts? You know, I said, listen, listen, let's, let's just be honest here. 
You're trying to come up with a way here. You're trying to justify what you want to do. You're trying to come up with a spiritual way to make this okay. And I said, well, you know, the situation in in, the whole Garden of Eden thing, I said, don't you think that's a little bit of a unique thing in Scripture? You know, like maybe one man, one woman, you know, God did this. You know, I mean, don't you think that, do you see that repeated anywhere in Scripture? You know, and in fact, uh, you know, there are some other Scriptures that would, that would kind of speak against what your plan is here, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what those verses seem to say. But I think that I have discovered a deeper truth. I believe that I've really tapped into God's real heart for marriage. And besides, we've prayed about it. And we've come to the conclusion that God is good with marrying us. Okay. So the conversation ends and we kind of go our our separate ways. About three days later, my smiling friend comes up to me and says, got married last night. Really? Yeah, yeah. So we dressed up. We went out to a park. We said vows to each other. We prayed, and God married us. And then we, we had our honeymoon. I bet you did. Hmm. He said, but don't worry about it. it, it it's okay because... Because we can be secretly married, and then after we graduate from high school, we can go through a ceremony for everyone else, and our parents will never know. It's a foolproof plan. Hmm. I heard the word fool in there, but (laughs) I'm not sure it was foolproof. About a month later, my friend comes up to me, and as he's approaching me, I mean, he looks, like, he looks like the blood has been drained out of his body. I mean, he's just pasty white and kind of freaked out looking. And he goes, we got to talk. Now, instantaneously, I knew why he looked like that. But I decided to ask anyways. So I said, so... My married friend, what's going on? And you know what he said, right? She's pregnant. Yeah, it's kind of how that works. And now, now Jim, we're, we're feeling really, really guilty, and we're kind of thinking we, maybe we shouldn't have done this. What do you think we should do? And I said, well, you know, you you sort of went your own way on this whole marriage deal, right? You sort of decided to take your own independent, I know better than God way on marriage. So my suggestion now is this. Why don't you choose now to go God's way? And, And you can't undo what you have just done. And now you have invited a third person into this equation. But I I I. I want to ask you now, why don't you, why don't you choose from this point forward to do things God's way? And I said, God's way would be to, to start off by confession. <laughs> to confess first to God and then to your parents. And then walk through 
the consequences of what are about to follow in your life. And, and to their credit, they did that. And I do believe that the, the repentance was, uh, was heartfelt. They acknowledged the pride and the selfish desire that led them to, um, to twist God's word to fit their circumstances and their needs and their desires. They confessed to their parents and they walked through the consequences that followed for venturing out on their own. And then about a year, year and a half later, um, they were married for real. Now, as I share that story this morning, you could hear that, and what could be going through your mind right now is something like this. I can't believe people would do something like that. I mean, come on. Who in the world would make a decision like that, and why in the world would someone think that somehow they knew better than God? You could think that, I guess. But here's what I think. I think that none of us are outside of the temptation for pride and independence to rear its ugly head in our lives. I think we can look and we can point fingers at my friend and say, I can't believe you do that. But I think it happens all the time. And none of us are immune to the lure of pride and a spirit of independence. None of us are immune to that, to that heart that says, well, I think I know better in this situation, right? I think we can all find ourselves in a position like that if we allow ourselves to walk down a path of independence, of pride and arrogance. It was, in fact, pride and a spirit of independence that had infiltrated the church in ancient Corinth. Um, those believers had drifted away from God and from dependence on his spirit. And as a result, they were experiencing some of the consequences of their actions. And, and we've been walking through this letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the, this church in Corinth. And it's called, we call it 1 Corinthians, right? And we've been walking through it for a few weeks. We're going to continue to for uh, some time in the future. And, um, and what we're seeking to do is to hear what God has to say and, frankly, to learn from some of their mistakes, right? I mean, it's kind of okay to do that, to look and go, well, they, they made some, some blunders, they made some mistakes, they walked down some, some avenues of sin and selfishness and independence, and maybe we can learn from their experiences. Last week, if you were here, Tim walked through the first five verses of chapter 2, and then what follows in the rest of chapter 2 uh, is a passage that is um, that's somewhat challenging to follow. <laughs> Have you ever read the Bible before and you come across one of those places and you kind of finish it and you kind of scratch your head and go, I'm not quite sure what that meant. You ever do that before? I, I do. In, in fact, Paul, um, the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament um, inspired by God, you know, he wrote some, some challenging things. In fact, Peter, one of the disciples in, in 2 Peter, in his book, he, he wrote and said, man, that guy Paul, he didn't say exactly like this, but that guy Paul, some of the stuff he writes, it's hard to understand. I go, yeah, I get it, me too, you know. 
And this next piece of this um, letter, and there's other ones to come, um, is, is a little bit challenging. It's one of those things you go, ah, what's he saying? So my task and my goal this morning is to try my best to bring some clarity to this passage and to connect it to our lives, right? How does this apply to us? Because I don't really think we're that much different than those people. I don't think we're that much different than the Corinthian church. Um, yeah, the circumstances may change. The situations we struggle with may be a little bit different. But the heart of it is very much the same. And so I'm going to try and do that. We're not going to read through all of that because, frankly, I think that would only make it a little bit more confusing. We'll read a few selected things. You can read it through on your own later on and, um, and kind of wade through that. But uh, I've spent some time doing that. And, and I want to um, help give some clarity now, the flow of thought in, in chapter 2 begins at the beginning where, um, where Tim was at last week. So I want to read a couple of verses there where he was at, and that will flow us into, and it will get the, the, the thought going. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to be reading verse 3, and here's what it says. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Right? So, so, so what's he saying here? Paul says, I didn't come to you with rousing speeches about human wisdom and philosophy, but rather with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Because I didn't want your faith to, to rest on... on on some you know, new ideas, some philosophies that I bring, I wanted your faith to rest on God and on his power. You see, one of the reasons that Paul was saying this is because Corinth was known to be one of those places where these like, itinerant you know, like teachers or philosophers or preachers would come through town with their ideas. And so people love to go to the town center and listen to these people. I mean, great communicators, great speakers, you know, talk about you know, philosophy and ideas and new views and wisdom, right? People love that. And, and so Paul comes down and says, I didn't, I didn't come bringing, you know, wisdom like that. I came to bring the power of God, right? And then he goes on in verse 6 to say, you know, just, whoa, whoa, just in case you think that I didn't impart wisdom when I was with you, because he just said, I didn't come bringing wisdom, right? And said, okay, I want to make sure you know, it's not that I didn't come bringing wisdom, it's that I didn't come bringing like so-called human wisdom, but instead I came to impart to you the secret hidden things of God, okay? So, so now, now he says that, and you kind of go, well, wait a second, that kind of sounds like maybe some of those other people, like, what do you mean secret and hidden, you know? That kind of sounds like maybe he joined in with those other teachers of his day to bring some kind of special wisdom. But he goes on to explain that the hidden wisdom of God that he shared with them was simply the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ died to cover your sin, that that's God's plan. That that was this, this wisdom of God. And the reason that he calls it hidden is because understanding the depth of that, understanding the depth of God's love and this what might seem absurd way of giving your son to die on a cross to cover their sin, 
It, it, it takes spiritual discernment to understand that, right? Paul says people who don't have the spirit of God don't get this. They don't understand it. In fact, he says, it's foolishness to them. This idea of, of you know, God and his son and a cross, and that's, that just seems nuts. But the Spirit enables us to understand these spiritual truths, he says. So it's sort of hidden. It's out of sight for people who don't have the Spirit of God because they don't understand the spiritual, the depth of what it means that God has given his son so that we could live. So in verses 6 through 16, essentially what I just said to you, he communicates, although he uses um, some other kind of pictures and words, um, and you have to sort of unravel it a little bit. For example, in verse 12, he writes this. Now, we've re- now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now one of the challenging things about what he writes in these verses is he uses several terms that sometimes you kind of go, what, spiritual and natural, and what does that mean? And, uh, And then he goes on in verse 14 to write this. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, they're foolishness, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned, okay? Now, now let me help you. I want to give you a little uh, picture uh, uh, of some words on the screen. Go ahead and put that up to maybe help you understand some of the words that he uses because this will get to kind of the point that Paul is making in just a moment. In those verses... Some of the words you have to weigh through is he uses the word natural, the natural person. So uses, another term he uses for that is a person of the flesh. He also uses the term a spiritual person, and it doesn't mean, ooh, you're spiritual, and I'm, you know, right? No, what that means is you're a person of the spirit, okay? You're a person who has the spirit. So another way you could divide those two things is he's talking to believers and people who are not believers, Right? Christians and non-Christians, to the natural, the person of the flesh, the spiritual, the person who has the spirit, right? So it's important to understand these two sort of groupings of people and these two um, groups of of words because it gets to, to the point of what he's saying. Suffice it to say, in those verses in chapter two, he talks about these two types of people and the fact that God has given his spirit so that we might understand the wisdom of God in Christ's crucifixion, and what that means. Okay, so now what was the issue going on? Paul, in this letter, is addressing issues in the church. What's the issue that's going on in the church, and how does this apply to us? Okay, when he gets to chapter 3, he gets to the issue, the problem that was going on. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Says this, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants, as babies in Christ. I fed you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, 
for you are still of the flesh. For, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Now let me remind you of something. Paul is writing to believers, okay? He's writing to the church here. He's writing to followers of Christ and he's applying what he just said in the, in the previous verses to their situation. And he says this, I could not address you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh because of how you're behaving because of how you're living. In other words, you are acting like people who do not have the Spirit. Right? Now, he's not saying you're not believers. He's not saying you don't have the Spirit. He said, here's how I have to address you. I have to address you like you don't have the Spirit, like you're not a believer, like you're still in the flesh because of the way you're behaving, the way you're living. It's as if you do not have the spirit to understand and discern and have wisdom. Instead, you're making decisions with your own wisdom, your own so-called understanding. You're going sort of independently on your own track, and it's as if you don't even have the spirit. You understand that? He's saying to them, you are in Christ, you have the Spirit, but you're acting like people who don't. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh behaving only in a human way? He's charging the church with just listening to their own voice, their own wisdom, and not the wisdom of God. They're not listening to the Spirit. And as a result... It's produced this, this division in the church. We talked about that a few weeks ago, right? He brings it back. Some say, I follow Paul, I follow Paul. This is causing division in your relationships because of this, right? Now, what does this have to do with us? Paul's talking about natural people and spiritual and people who listen to the Spirit and people who don't listen to the Spirit. and You can head down this independent route. And yes, you can be a believer. You can head down this independent route and act as if you're not and buy into your own wisdom. So what does this have to do with us? Well, I started off today with a story, a story about my friend, right? My friend who in many ways, could fit into this story that is being written right here in 1 Corinthians. As I look at the situation, you could say that he was following his own voice. He was applying his own wisdom to his situation. He disregarded the clear voice of the Spirit and what God's Word said. He was acting as a person of the flesh in a very similar way as Paul's talking to this church. And the church in that day was doing the same thing. 
And we can fall into that trap as well. How easy is it for us to to justify ourselves, to listen to our own wisdom? To choose a path of independence. We can rationalize and we can spiritualize all kinds of decisions and actions, can't we? We can find ourselves in a situation and go, well, I'm not sure that God knows best on this one. We wouldn't say it that way. But we would just say, I kind of think I know what's best for me in this situation. And I'm, I think I'm just going to walk down this path because that's what I want. That's what I need. And we can find ourselves wandering off and not listening to the Spirit. Not listening to what God's saying and listening to our own wisdom instead. And find ourselves in the same place as these Corinthians. We can rationalize, we can spiritualize relationship situations, right? Well, I... I think God wants me with that person, not the one I'm with. I, 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 th- I really thank God. What God wants is for me to be happy and to not be in that situation. I'm sure God wants me to be with her or him. We can rationalize, we can spiritualize financial situations and we can come to places in our lives where we can compromise what we know to be true and we can justify it and go, well, I know that typically this isn't okay, but I think that God's okay with it. I prayed about it, like my friend. And we can begin to walk down a path that says, I'm no longer listening to the Spirit. I'm no longer really listening to what this is saying because it's sort of saying things that I don't, I'm not comfortable with, I don't like, that, that isn't what I want to do. And so we begin to take on an independent spirit and we listen to our own wisdom, the wisdom of others, and we find ourselves deaf to the, the speaking of the spirit. And it leads to all kinds of division and troubles and problems in our lives. So I want to share a principle with you. And you can rely on this principle. And it's this. The Spirit of God will never, ever, ever direct you in a way that is contrary to what God's Word says. This is really important. Because whatever the situation that you're walking in, whatever you, know, you try and justify and rationalize and make okay, you need to understand this. The Spirit of God will never, ever direct you in a way that is contrary to this. That's just a principle that's there. And you can trust on it. You can rely in that truth. So if you think you're hearing from the Spirit of God, because I've had many conversations where people are beginning to compromise and say, well, I think in my situation, I can go down this path. I think for me, it's okay to do this. In fact, I prayed about it. And I think God's okay with it. 
If it is contrary to this, you need to just know this. It's not God who's saying it. Don't be deceived. It's not him. Because he will never direct you in a way that is contrary to what he's already said. We can walk down a path of independence, acting like people of the flesh and justifying our decisions and our actions. As people of the Spirit, we can act like people who don't have the Spirit. And to that, Paul calls the people back. Just turn around and come back to God. So what if you or I find ourselves in a situation where we have wandered down the path of independence, where we have justified some things in our lives, where we've said, I think it's okay to do this, it's okay for me, and we've chosen not to listen, and we find ourselves in a situation where we know we should not really be, but we have just sort of made it okay. What do you do in that situation? And my advice to you would be the same advice I gave to my friend however many years ago that was. And it would be this. Turn around. Stop and turn around. The Bible calls that repentance. Turn around. Humble yourself. Acknowledge your prideful, independent spirit. Submit once again to the spirit who lives inside you. Submit to his wisdom, submit to his guidance, and come back. I think that sometimes when we have made poor decisions, when we've justified things in our lives, as the Corinthian church did, and it, for them it ended up in divisions in their church, but maybe for you it ends up in divisions in your own life and your marriage and relationships and your walk with God. And we come to that place and we're not quite sure what God thinks of us. And I'm not sure if I, if I can really come back because he's going to be just so angry and just, I know what he's going to say. And I think that we get that wrong. I don't think we fully understand the depth of God's wisdom and the grace that he offers and I think that if we understood the depth of God's grace, that he says, I love you and you're my child and I want you to be right here with me. If we really understood that, I think that when we find ourselves down that road and we need to stop and turn around, that we longs to have me return. Who desperately wants to embrace you and say, man, welcome back. I have so much I want to speak to you about. I'm so glad you're willing to listen now. I love you. I forgive you. Do you believe that? Because that's the God we serve. I want to ask you to stand up with me and the band's going to come out and we're going to, we're going to end in a time of worship this morning and responsiveness. The verses in this passage are a little bit confusing. But the bottom line to it is this. That Paul identifies a couple of people. 
the natural and the spiritual, the person of the flesh and the person of the spirit. He says, as a person of the spirit, listen. Listen to what the spirit's telling you. He will not lead you astray. But it is possible. It is possible to act as if, to walk as if, to live as if, you don't have the Spirit. So turn around. And maybe some of us are in a place in your life where in little, just what you might call little areas of compromise or maybe in really big areas of life, you've walked down that road to one degree or another. And I just want to encourage you to take the next few moments in this service and to allow this to be a time of returning to Him. Humbling yourself, confession, repentance, and just saying, God, I'm sorry that I have not listened, but I want to listen now. And just know that he welcomes you. He loves you. Maybe you want to sing these songs as a prayer. Maybe you want to have a seat where you're at and just spend some time with Jesus. Maybe you want to come up and just find a place of prayer right around the front here and just you and him take some time to address coming back. And maybe if that's not where you're at, maybe today is just a time to say, God, help me because I know I'm not immune to the lure of pride and independence. Help me to stay on the path that listens to you. I want to invite you to respond to him however the Spirit of God is leading you to. Let's make this one of those moments of coming home to the God who loves us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that you ex extended your grace and your mercy to the believers in the church in Corinth. As we will learn in the months to come, they, they headed down all kinds of roads in their own wisdom. but you're a God of grace who called them home. And I pray that we would be people who would choose to listen to your spirit and the voice of your spirit, not our own voice. That we would cling to your wisdom and not our own. And in so doing, we would experience the dependence, the beautiful dependence of walking with our God. I pray that you would, by your spirit, speak to us now as we respond to you in Jesus' name.